And so our text this morning is Luke 13, verses 31 to 35. 1623. And if you would um, allow me to pray one more time before I preach. Come Holy Spirit. Illuminate, open our eyes and our hearts to hear, to receive, and to obey your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Tell that fox, I will keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, And stone those sent to you. How I have often longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you would not have it. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is God's word for us this morning. It is tough and it is tender love. On Friday, Pastor Dave and I were part of a preaching team that were at the seminary at Calvin College. And as we were concluding that evening, there was a gentleman that's soon to be installed as an elder in his church, a local church in the Alger Heights area. And he came for prayer. And as we prayed for him, we asked the Holy Spirit to help us to pray for him in his new leadership role. And we found ourselves praying for him for boldness, for wisdom, for the gifts that would be needed for leading God's people. And this combination of words came up, gentle boldness. Gentle boldness. Tough and tender love is needed for leading God's people. Jesus demonstrated this determination. He was facing this group of people that his father had sent him to love and to announce the kingdom. And it met with some rebelliousness, 
even among those who should have been leading and acknowledging and recognizing Jesus right away. Jesus came determined. He said, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. He was determined to stay on the Father's business and on his agenda to announce the kingdom and to demonstrate this authority that the Holy Spirit had empowered him with to be able to push back the darkness and to give signs through the healing of people and other demonstrations of his authority, who he was. His love was determined, I would say gritty. He was determined in his care of his people. He said, I will reach my goal. I must press on. This is a tough love. This is a love that's determined to meet the goal. Jesus said, go tell that fox, I will keep driving out demons and healing people. This image of a fox. I watched YouTube videos this week of foxes and hens, and one where the farmer and his wife were inside the house and they were filming a fox, and there were three hens ranging, roaming around, I'd say free range, in the yard, and he said, watch the fox. He's trying to desensitize them by coming closer and closer because they are starting to just um, not recognize the danger that's there. And he's like, watch, you better be ready to run out of the house and scare that fox away because at some point he's going to lunge. And he walked around and around and he'd come closer. Then he'd go behind some shrubs and then he'd come out and be seen again. But each time he was getting closer and closer. The fox. In scripture, um, we often see these Um, pictures of animals that are predatory and dangerous, like the cunning serpent or um, the um, roaring lion that's roaming around, and this sly fox, Herod, the Roman Empire, manifesting the kingdom of darkness in this picture. And the Jewish people should have recognized that there was danger instead of even possibly forming an alliance there and thinking that it would be safe. The enemy is going to work through that Roman Empire, and the Lord is going to allow it because the Pharisees are resisting Jesus and is alerting them by saying, Fox, that there's something dangerous here and you need to pay attention. Jesus' words demonstrate tough, vigorous, tenacious devotion to his people. He says, how often I have longed to gather your children. How often. This is loyal love. This is dedicated love. This is steadfast love. His love toward his children, I think Lindsay opened with this, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. He's tenacious. He's devoted towards his children. 
He says, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. This is um, a picture where sometimes, often in scripture, the picture of God is given in a, a masculine images. But in this, Jesus, in thinking about his beloved children, who the father loves, he chooses more of a maternal image of a mother hen that wants to gather her chicks. And it was fun to watch and look at pictures and watch videos of the mother hen and the chicks running all around those fuzzy little cute things, but messy and dirty. And um, they, they would run all around and the mother hen would try to lead them and then some of them would straggle behind and she'd go back and try to model for them to get up, go up this step, come this way, but there would be a whole group of them. And at some point, the mother hen sits down, and if there's danger, those chicks come running up under her, and she kind of fluffs up her wings, and the chicks come under. And if the chicks are out straying and they're not coming under, they're in great, great danger. And so this picture of the hen and the chicks, it's a picture of nurture and comfort and guidance, nurturing these little chicks towards life. In every way, the, the mother hen and the rooster are modeling how to pick around and find the food. They're, the chicks are watching, or they should be watching. Now, there's this declaration of discipline. And as I was working on memorizing this text this week, and it's something that sometimes I think we use an excuse that we're getting too old, or my brain just doesn't think as well anymore. But I want to encourage us that if we memorize scripture, I believe that we're meditating on it and he starts to reveal himself. And even as I was trying to memorize this, I realized that the words came out differently at the beginning of this passage where he's going to continue to heal and he's going to continue to drive out the demons. And those, it seemed more forceful. And then when we listen to him think about Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I have longed to gather your children together. There's this tenderness that comes. There's this love that comes that's demonstrated. And when he says, your house is left to you desolate, I don't believe he wants to lay the consequences down, but he has to because that's what a loving parent does. And he's representing the father. There's this tenderness, even when they're resisting, when they're saying, no, we're not going to listen to you, we are not acknowledging you. They're being rebellious. That's rebelliousness, folks. That's why we pray. We pray for parents. We pray as a church that we can handle it when sometimes people want to put their hand up and say, talk to the hand. No, there are consequences. There's been this ongoing modeling of Jesus' love and invitation. But at this point, it comes to um, kind of a crossroads because of their rebelliousness. And he tells them clearly what they have done. The offense. What are the offenses? You've killed the prophets. You've stoned those sent to you. I wanted to gather you, but you would not have it. He's very clear. You've rejected my authority. You've rejected coming under my authority. You've rejected coming into my presence. You keep coming in and going out, and you're actually wanting to tell me now to go away. 
enough. There's tender love, but there are definitely consequences. And he says, look, your house is left to you desolate. He's prophesying there will be a consequence, and we see this in A.D. 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem. There was an early fulfillment, and there'll be a later fulfillment for those that ultimately reject Jesus. He's prophesying there's going to be a separation. You will not see me again. There's going to be a separation. How many parents have ever put a child on time out? Or maybe as a kid, did you ever have time out? I know I did plenty of times. There's a separation that models this separation because it's awful to be separated from the love and comfort of a loving parent. For those of you that didn't have loving parents, that didn't lay down this kind of discipline, I'm saying there is a different way. Our Heavenly Father, and he knows how to discipline his children with gentleness but firmness for the purpose of restoration. He says, your house has been left to you desolate. And he's referencing those that would hear him would recognize these words coming from Jeremiah 12:7, And this is what it says in Jeremiah 12:7: I will forsake my house, abandon my inheritance. I will give the one I love into the hands of her enemies. Or in the New Living Translation, it says, I have surrendered my dearest ones to their enemies. Why would a loving God surrender his dearest ones into the hands of his enemies? It's for the purpose for them to recognize that they need to come back under his protection. They need to repent and return. And that's why he he makes this declaration of consequences. And this is a picture. Actually, Jerusalem was completely destroyed. The Romans took these great big stones, threw them off of the wall of the temple. We have history to prove and to show that what God says, it had an early fulfillment. And in the end, those that have not come under his protective wing, under Jesus, Jesus' protective wing, There will be an ultimate destruction that resembles this of Jerusalem. There's grace. There's grace. Even as he's speaking this, he's saying, that fox, go tell that fox, don't align yourself with the world and the structures and the powers and the principalities of this world. It will lead to death. There's a way that leads to death, and there's a way that leads to life. And Jesus is the one who is the life. He is the way. He's saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, people, people, wake up. Hear me. Hear me. I want to be that place of security and comfort and life for you. Come under my protection. In this passage, it says, you will not see me. Until you say, and those words, until you say, give us hope that there is a possibility that even as they came in in the um, Palm Sunday, blessed is he who came in the name of the Lord, maybe at that point some of them that he was speaking to 
would recognize and repent and would say, yes, this is he. Or maybe after he was crucified and after he endured all that they had given him, and he said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Maybe at that point they start to say, blessed is he. Maybe it will be after the new early church starts to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus is resurrected and then ascended, the Holy Spirit's poured out. And maybe when they see the church doing the very same things of driving out the demons and bringing healing, that they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But hopefully and prayerfully they would have said that before they died. Because there is a time that there is no more opportunity to repent and come under those protective, loving wings. This has applications for us as parents, for any of us that are parents, or maybe aunts or uncles even. But that tough and tender love. Be tough in recognizing that your children have a nature, that that old sin nature needs to be gone, and we need to keep correcting them and directing them back into the ways of God. We need to keep bringing healing into their lives where they've been hurt, praying over them because they get hurt not only just by being born into sin, but there are things that come into their lives. And so praying for healing, discipling your children, be tenacious in this. And I want to say be tender but firm in your discipline because we're learning from Jesus because as parents... They look to us to model who God is in their lives until they're older. And when they do get older, there is a time where they have to stand before the Lord. And there will be a time. And have they walked away? And I think even for our older children that have gone off and are gone astray, we continue to pray and we ask the Lord to give us the wisdom to know when it is that we speak those words to come back. Come back, come back. We're in a church family. And so every little Elam and Ember that's baptized, we make promises to help. What are we promising to do? We're promising to help drive out that that is of the sin nature, to teach them the ways of the Lord, to take scripture to them and say, you won't lie. And so maybe, Chet, you're seeing a little child that's telling a lie. You saw him. You know, we have to say that. You know what? God's word says we will not lie. If there's consequences, we have to figure out how we're going to have this five-finger rule, right, Mark? And Gold Rush, the team that works with the youth, how do we discipline? How do we lay down these, these um, consequences? And even maybe they can't come back. Or go to that special event because they had too many offenses. But the ultimate goal is to come back in restoration. Discipleship, discipline, one and the same. Sometimes when people go far away. And this past week we had someone that had gone far away. And had been out from under the protection of the church. Had been living and choosing Choices that were bringing death and destruction in their life. And Pastor Dave and I sat down to talk with this person. And it was like the Holy Spirit gave us this tenderness and yet firmness to keep bringing 
back the plumb line of Scripture and to say, this is what Scripture says. This is what Scripture says. Come back. Come back. And I even found myself saying, come home. Come home. Calling that person. Come home. Come back under the protection of the church. Come back into alignment with the kingdom and his ways, God's ways. And praise God there was repentance. And praise God that there's hope, that there's another day and another day to serve the Lord and to walk out humbly our faith. It's a truth encounter. There weren't big manifestations of anything, but it was a clash of the kingdoms. Because don't you know there's a sly fox that wants to steal us, that wants to take us off track, that wants to say, make this choice, it's okay, it's okay to do this. And you know what? It is not God's best, and that's why he gives us the scripture to show us the counsel of scripture to live in the light, to live in the protection of the one who would cover us with his wings, even like a mother hen would cover. At this point in Luke, we're going to see a turning now. It's a turning point. Jesus has spoken. He has says there's a narrow door. And he's also said there's going to be some consequences. And so at this point in Luke, and from here on out until we go to the cross with Jesus, he's going to focus on his disciples, the ones who are willing to follow his leadership. Friends, we don't want to be those that are living in rebellion, that are resisting the authorities of the church, that are resisting the authority of parents and living in rebellion. You're left in a really dangerous spot. And this picture actually shows the map of how the siege came in Jerusalem and they went from the outer walls and they went all the way into the the temple, destroyed the whole thing. Don't you know that the enemy wants to come in and destroy your whole life? Dane and I talked to somebody after the AA meeting the other night that said, I lost my business, lost my wife. But yet he's made a turn. He came back. He came back. Jesus is resolute in his love. It's both merciful and just. There's a narrow door, and it's the door of repentance. It's the narrow door of repentance. And he says, come in softly and tenderly. He's calling us home. And this old hymn has been on my mind this week. I just have kept thinking of it, and it's something I haven't thought about in years. It says, come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling, oh sinner, come home. He's calling us. Whether we've been completely rebellious or there's that little piece of our heart that's been in rebellion towards him, he's saying, come home. For those who are weary and tired because you've been parenting or you've been working with somebody and you're just tired, he's saying, come under my 
presence. Come to me. Be refilled. Be strengthened for the ministry to keep loving people, even as I've tenderly and with great toughness and determination loved them too. Let's pray.